Hello, dear listeners. Welcome back to Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your humble host, Alastair Murden, and this is Season of the Witch, a Parcast Halloween storytelling special. This spooktacular event crosses four different shows. On haunted places, we're traveling to blood-soaked sites from the Salem Witch Trials, where specters from America's colonial past refuse to die. On urban legends, we're investigating rumors of witchcraft, like a levitation spell practiced by American teenagers for decades. Join us on Tales for grisly stories about witches who steal the hearts of children and devour the living. And here, on Superstitions, we've got an original four-part story bringing historical beliefs about witchcraft into the modern day. When I say witch, a few things probably come to mind. The pointy hat, the cauldron. Look closer and maybe there's a crooked nose and perhaps even a wart. You may chalk these details up to the prototypical hag witch, you know the one. But that wart on her nose is more than skin deep. In fact, it's a symbol of power given to her by the devil himself. It's called the Witch's Mark. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Coming up, we examine a particularly strange skin condition. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. There's perhaps no more superstitious era than that of the witch trials. When witch hysteria swept Europe in the 15th century, church clergymen put quill to paper and created a litany of beliefs about witchcraft and its dangers. Texts like the notorious Malleus Maleficarum or Hammer of Witches were distributed as manuals on how to identify and exterminate witches lurking in Christian communities. Telltale signs ranged from being unable to recite the Lord's Prayer to mumbling too much in public. Then there was the most damning of all, the Witch's Mark. Also known as the Devil's Mark, witch's marks were a physical indicator on a witch's flesh of her pact with the devil. You might be imagining tattoos of pentagrams or 666, but in truth, they were pretty inconspicuous. Witch's marks had a variety of appearances. They could be flat, raised, red, blue, brown, any kind of skin anomaly, be it a scar, birthmark or wart was considered suspect. But the most suspicious were those found on breasts, 
or nether regions. If you're thinking this all sounds rather erotic, you're not wrong. Demonologists believed that a witch's pact with the devil was also a sexual relationship. Satan was said to appear in some corporeal form to seduce a future witch who, in exchange for power, would give herself to him, body and soul. The devil was then said to scratch, bite, or lick his new devotee, leaving his mark on her skin. In puritanical Christianity, this, of course, was heresy in the highest order. Female modesty was vastly important, but nothing was as vital as female virginity, which makes a young virgin turned witch the most blasphemous of all. Sadie stepped behind the altar and turned her Bible to a dog-eared page. She looked out at the half-full chapel of teens and smiled. She should have been nervous, most people would be, but Sadie always felt most confident when leading a room, especially youth prayer, and especially now. Her eyes fell on a tall boy with dark brown eyes and tousled hair, Luke. He winked at her from the pews. Sadie cleared her throat. <clears> 2 <throat> Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 But I am afraid that, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Sadie shut her Bible and looked out at her classmates. Simplicity and purity ruined by temptation. Sounds familiar, right? As young Christians, the threat of temptation is everywhere. It's in magazines and music, at school and even church. Every day, Satan is waiting to lead us astray from God's path, which is why it's so crucial that we always live our lives within his divine light. Sadie paused, looked up at the kaleidoscope of sunlight pouring through the stained glass and set her gaze back on the chapel. So remember, if you're ever questioning the purity of your actions, ask yourself, would I do this in the presence of the Lord? Sadie moaned as Luke's lips traveled down her neck. They were in the woods behind the church recreation center making out just like they'd done every week for the last month. It had all happened so quickly. Luke had moved to Andover, Massachusetts and started attending youth prayer in September. Sadie had liked him right away. His grin, his dark brown eyes, and the serious look he got when he prayed. Before she knew it, he was leading her into the pines after prayer group. Now, it was October. Sadie knew she should feel guilty, but when she was in the woods with Luke, she wasn't thinking about Jesus or sin. She wasn't thinking at all. She was just relishing the burning feeling Luke's touch left on her skin. Sadie felt a sting as Luke bit into the base of her neck. She pulled away. You know my dad will kill me if he finds a hickey. Luke looked up at her with a glint in his eyes. <laughs> then, 
I'll just have to leave one where he won't find it. He took her hand and pulled her to the ground. He kissed her again, but this time he kept moving down and down. Sadie moaned. Then he unfastened her skirt. Sadie sat up on her forearms. Wait, what are you doing? We've never gone that far. Luke looked up at her with earnest brown eyes. I know. I just... I like you, Sadie. I really do. Ever since we've been doing this, well, I want to be closer to you, you know? Sadie's heart pounded. Kissing in the woods was one thing, but sex. How could she have sex before marriage and still be the person she said she was? She felt Luke's lips on her thigh and her breath caught for a moment. She cleared her throat, trying to sound firm. I like you too, but I don't think it's a good idea. I mean, this is crazy. I was just on the pulpit talking about purity. Luke took her hand. I know, but didn't God also give us free will? He looked into her eyes. I want to give part of myself to you. Do you want to give yourself to me? Sadie felt something stir inside her. Then she heard herself speak. I want that so much. A strange smile spread across Luke's face. It's a deal then. Sadie frowned. What did he mean, a deal? But before she could ask, he started kissing up her legs. Sadie moaned. Then Luke bit down. She gasped as his teeth sank into her thigh. She went to push him away, then she realized it didn't hurt. In fact, she liked it. Sadie pulled Luke closer and kissed him. Then she took off his shirt. Sadie and Luke laid side by side on the forest floor, catching their breath. Sadie stared at the sky, entranced, as she watched fiery orange and red leaves float to the earth. But her revelry was interrupted as Luke rummaged for his clothes. As he was pulling on his jeans, she saw something she hadn't noticed before. A small tattoo of an eye on his left ankle. What's that? she asked. Pointing. Luke chuckled. <laughs> Let's just say it's a remnant from a more ungodly time in my life. Sadie's stomach lurched. It was just hitting her how little she knew about Luke. He never talked about his life before Andover. She'd just given her virginity to a boy she hardly knew. She sat, half dressed in the leaves, frozen. Luke pulled on his shoes. You should go home. It's past your curfew. As soon as he said the words, the church bell rang through the trees. It was six o'clock. Oh my God, oh my God, Sadie murmured, scrambling for her clothes. Luke chuckled. <laughs> Look at you. First sex, now taking the big guy's name in vain. 
It's like you're not even scared of hell. Sadie froze and turned to him. You think I'm going to hell? Luke grinned. Oh, Sadie, you're already here. With that, Luke winked and walked into the woods. Sadie watched him, bewildered, as he strolled further into the forest. He was going the wrong way. Sadie hurried down the gravel road. Her house was on the edge of town. She normally caught a ride back after youth prayer, but she'd missed the carpool. Now she was already late and had to make the hour-long walk on foot. Her legs ached from running. Then they burned. No, she realized, just one leg did. She cringed as pain seared up her thigh. What was wrong with her? She glanced around to make sure no one was on the road and lifted her skirt. On her left inner thigh was a bruise. It was purple and green and the shape of a sharp oval, almost like an eye or a mouth. A surge of panic rushed through her. That was exactly where Luke had bitten her. He'd left a hickey or something after all. Whatever it was, Sadie could not let her dad see it. She was going to be in enough trouble already. Sadie quietly opened the front door and slipped inside. She'd expected her father, Josiah, to be waiting for her, but instead she heard yelling from upstairs. Sadie jumped as a crash came from the floor above. Then she heard her younger sister scream. Sadie raced up the stairs and into her room. Inside, her father loomed over Cecilia, holding a book. Who brought this blasphemy into my house? Sadie glanced at the book in her father's hands and almost groaned out loud. It was just some YA novel about teens practicing magic, a harmless thing in any other house. But with her father, it was worse than if he'd found pot in his daughter's room. Cecilia cowered on the pale pink carpet near tears. I didn't. I swear I didn't. Josiah sneered at her. Don't lie to me. Where did it come from? Tell me! Cecilia shrieked as Josiah smacked the hardback against the wall. Adrenaline rushed through Sadie. I did. It's my book. Cecilia didn't do anything. I'm sorry. Cecilia looked at her, relieved. Josiah's face was contorted in anger. You brought this here? You brought witchcraft into our home. Sadie feigned guilt. I just wanted to see what it was about. Everyone at school really likes it, but it was wrong. I let my curiosity tempt me. I'm sorry, Papa. Josiah eyed Sadie suspiciously. You bring this evil into my house, and you arrive after your curfew. Where have you been, Sadie? A lie tumbled from her lips. I led youth prayer today, so I had to help clean the reception hall after. Josiah scoffed. For two hours? I can see through your falsehoods just as surely as God can. You were with a boy.
panic coursed through her body. No, I wasn't. I promise I wasn't. Josiah's eyes narrowed. Pastor Hale called me this morning, told me he'd been seeing you walk with that new boy after prayer. Sadie's gaze met Cecilia's, watching wide-eyed behind their father. Sadie swallowed the fear rising in her throat. Papa, I told you, I was cleaning up the reception hall, that's all. I didn't... Sadie yelped as Josiah grabbed her wrist and dragged her into the bathroom, flipping on the light. You say you weren't with that boy. Then show me. Show me your neck. Sadie stammered. Papa, please. There's nothing. Josiah's voice boomed off the bathroom tile. Show me. Sadie's hand trembled as she pulled down the neckline of her shirt. She remembered how Luke bit her there when they were kissing. She hadn't had time to check herself for hickeys. As her father examined her neck beneath the glare of the overhead light, Sadie's heart pounded. The bathroom light flickered. Josiah's eyes narrowed, quizzical. Then he stepped back. Looks like you're telling the truth. Sadie's chest heaved in relief. I hope I can trust you, Sadie. If you give me more reason to think otherwise, I will take you to Dr. Palmer. And God help us if you've compromised your purity. That night, Sadie and Cecilia sat in bed long after Josiah had gone to sleep. Sadie combed her fingers through her sister's hair, humming. Cecilia was still shaken from their father's rampage. So was Sadie, but she didn't show it, for Cecilia's sake. At 14, Cecilia was just three years younger, but Sadie had always felt like it was her job to protect her little sister. See, my little bookworm, nothing can take you from your fantasy series, can it? Cecilia turned to her, her big brown eyes full of guilt. I'm so sorry. I didn't think he'd find it. I hid it under my mattress. Sadie clucked her tongue. Rookie move. The heating vent. That's where you should have put it. Cecilia grinned. You've always been better at hiding things. Where were you tonight anyway? Sadie bit her lip. With Luke. Again. Sadie! Her sister hissed. You have to stop. Before long, Papa's going to find out. I'm scared what will happen if he does. Sadie twisted Cecilia's hair in a braid. Nothing will happen. And especially not to you. I'll make sure of it. Cecilia looked at her, unconvinced. He said he'd take you to Dr. Palmer, and if you go there… Sadie's stomach twisted at the idea. Dr. Palmer was a prominent elder at their church and the community's chosen doctor when a girl's… modesty was in question. If he examined her and her father found out, well, it wouldn't be good. Sadie swallowed her dread and lied. 
If I go there, he won't find anything. Cecilia smiled, relieved. Good, because I don't know what I'd do without you. That night, Sadie dreamt about Luke. They were in the woods again. He hovered over her, kissing down her body. But this time, the trees burst into flames. Suddenly, his touch burned her skin. Luke gazed up at her, flames dancing in his dark eyes. That's when she saw it. All over her body, everywhere Luke had kissed her, was covered in open sores. She screamed. Sadie woke up, gasping for air. She looked around, but she was no longer in the burning woods. The morning sun peeked through the lace curtains of her bedroom, and just feet away, Cecilia snored softly in the corner. Sadie sighed in relief when she felt a searing sensation radiate from her leg. Sadie stumbled into the bathroom, shutting the door behind her, and slipped off her pajama pants. Her hand flew to her mouth to stifle a scream. The bruise that Luke left had changed. The subtle discoloration had turned a deep green and vibrant purple, vivid against the pale flesh of her thigh. And it was larger, roughly the size of a peach pit raised from the skin. No, 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 Sadie gasped. What was happening to her? Was it a hickey? An STD? Was she going to die? Images from her dream came rushing back, the flames in Luke's eyes and the boils all over her skin. A new question plagued her mind. Was God punishing her for breaking her chastity? Sadie flinched as a knock came from the bathroom door. Cecilia's small voice called out, Sadie, I heard you gasp. Are you okay? She tried her best to keep her voice from shaking. I'm fine, see. Go back to bed. Sadie frantically scanned the bathroom. She couldn't let Cecilia see her like this. She had to do something. Her eyes landed on a pair of scissors lying on the counter. Sadie picked them up, staring at the blades gleaming in the overhead light. She knew what she had to do. She had to get rid of it. Coming up, Sadie tries to remove the mark. It's October 20th, 2018, one day until the end of the world. I'm on the compound of a secretive religious organization, interviewing a longtime member. Their leader has predicted that tomorrow will be the beginning of the apocalypse. The prediction? Yes, I am prepared. It will purify life from a lot of illusions. When I started working on this story, I was hoping to profile a unique apocalyptic group that had survived through many failed doomsday predictions. But the end of the world was just the beginning. The only way to get to heaven was to allow him sexual activity with me. I didn't specifically give my consent. I was frozen at the time. The angels, they arranged that he is supposed to have sex with his students. He is an amazing teacher, and also he's a sick f This is Revelations, a Spotify original from Parcast, premiering Sunday, October 3rd. Now, back to the story. Sadie stumbled into the shower with scissors in hand and turned on the water. 
She had no other option. She had to cut the mark from her body, the thing Luke had left on her skin before anyone found out what she'd done. Her breath sped up as she positioned the twin blades around the mark. She squeezed her eyes shut, tears running down her cheeks. Then, Sadie cut. She braced herself for pain, but none came. It didn't hurt. It didn't even bleed. She opened her eyes and gasped in horror. The mark was still there. No, 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 she whimpered. God, please, no. Sadie picked up the scissors again, but this time she didn't shut her eyes. She repositioned the blades, and as she began to cut, bright blue-purple veins bloomed across her thigh. Sadie dropped the scissors, horrified. She had made it worse. There was no way out now, no erasing what she'd done. She sank to the shower floor in tears. She cried, quietly at first, then louder as the water pounded against her skin. It shouldn't be this way, she screamed to herself. She shouldn't have to hide in shame, just like she always did. Her muffled cries tumbled out of her lips in a pained wail. She was sick of it. With a groan, the showerhead shot off and ricocheted off the pale yellow tile. A torrent of water rushed forth. Sadie cried out and scrambled to turn it off. She leaned against the shower wall, catching her breath, when she felt her leg pulsing like it never had before. She stared at it, curious. That morning, Sadie covered the mark with a large bandage and made her way downstairs. Cecilia sat with Josiah at the kitchen table as he hummed to a hymn playing on the radio. The sisters looked at each other, uneasy. It was unlike their father to be so chipper, especially after what happened the night before. Once he found out Sadie was seen with Luke, she was sure he'd put them on lockdown. But instead, he did the opposite. Once Sadie took her seat at the table, Josiah grinned, clapping his hands together. I've got a hankering for chili. What do you say we make a big pot tonight? Sadie, I'll need you to run to the market and get cornmeal. Sadie hesitated, shocked he'd let her out of the house alone. Then, Josiah's eyes flashed, almost as if he was challenging her. Can't have chili without cornbread. How can we? Sadie stepped outside the supermarket, a box of cornmeal in hand, and checked her watch. Shoot, it was 5.30 already. She had to be home by 6. But if she walked fast, she could make it. Sadie hurried down the street toward home. She was just on the edge of town when she felt eyes on her back. She glanced over her shoulder. Behind her, a large black dog padded down the street after her. It had pointed ears like a German shepherd, but it was nearly twice the size, with fur so dark that at first she thought it was silhouetted by the sun. Sadie stopped in her tracks, and so did the dog. Weird, she thought. She looked around for the owner, but the street was empty. 
she called out to the canine. Hey friend, are you lost? The dog stood strangely still, staring at her. Sadie took a few steps forward. She could see that it didn't have a collar, but now that she was closer, she could also see its eyes. They were piercing and yellow, like a wolf's. The hair stood up on the back of her neck. Then, before she could decide what to do next, it rushed toward her. Sadie turned to run, but in an instant, the dog was upon her. She braced herself for blood and teeth and pain. It was what she deserved, she thought. But instead, she felt something tug from her right hand, and the dog ran past her. That's when she realized it stole the cornmeal. Sadie whipped around. Hey! She screamed. But the dog didn't stop. It just trotted into the trees, her dad's box of cornmeal clutched in its teeth. Hey! She shouted again, running after it. Sadie sprinted, rushing through the trees. Branches pulled at her hair and clothes, but she had to keep the dog in her sights. She picked up the pace when a thorned bush snagged her skirt. She pulled at it, tearing the fabric free and kept running. Suddenly, the dog ran out of the tree line. Sadie followed suit, panting, when she saw the dog trot across the road. Stop! she cried. Then, like some miracle, it did. It sat down obediently in the middle of the road, still holding the box of cornmeal in its jaws. It stared at her with its strange yellow eyes. Sadie gasped for breath. Thank God! Finally! She made her way slowly to the road. But just as she was about to step onto the asphalt, she heard something rumble in the distance. Sadie whipped around to see a massive 18-wheeler barreling around the bend. Her eyes went wide. She looked at the dog, but the canine didn't even flinch. Go! Go, go, go! She yelled. The dog didn't move. It didn't even blink. It just kept staring at her. Panic flooded Sadie's body. Get out of here! Move! But the dog just looked at her, almost expectant. The semi was seconds away. Her heart pounded in her ears. She was going to watch this dog die right in front of her, and all because she told it to stop. Every cell in her body buzzed with fear and adrenaline. Then she screamed, Run! Beside her, a pine tree snapped. A huge branch fell, landing with a deafening crash across the road. Sadie's eyes went wide as she watched the 18-wheeler break to a sudden stop. Then, she turned back to the road. The dog was gone. Sadie ran the rest of the way home, her ears ringing and the mark searing ice hot on her thigh. And she didn't stop until she stumbled through her front door. Inside, her father was already waiting. His eyes went wide at the sight of her. Then, his face twisted into a snarl. You ungrateful little harlot. I knew you'd sin as soon as you had the chance. You were in the woods with that boy. 
Sadie opened her mouth to protest when she saw Cecilia staring at her from the kitchen. Sadie looked down. Her clothes were dirty and torn, and her skirt had been ripped at her thigh. She quickly pulled the fabric over to cover her mark. Her father's eyes narrowed. What are you hiding? Fear rose in Sadie's throat. Nothing, Papa. I was in the woods, and I was just running, and I fell. Nothing happened. I promise. Josiah stood and ripped aside her already torn skirt. Sadie's heart pounded as he eyed the band-aid on her thigh. She pleaded, Papa, don't. Please. Josiah tore the bandage from her skin. In the dim light of the fireplace, the mark was a vivid kaleidoscope of color, purple, green, and blue. A system of bright veins branched from its center, and somehow its shape had become sharper, the unmistakable outline of an eye. Josiah's mouth opened in horror. What in God's name? Sadie pulled away, covering herself. Josiah stared at her. I don't know what you've done, but you leave me with no choice. You're going to Dr. Palmer tomorrow. Sadie sat on the examination table in Dr. Palmer's office, her paper gown crinkling each time she took a shaky breath. She stared at a small wooden cross hanging on the opposite wall and tried to pray. The words wouldn't come. Sadie turned with a start as Dr. Palmer strode in, the fluorescent light shiny on his balding head. He adjusted his glasses and gave her a patronizing smile. Sadie White. Never thought I'd see the day you'd be in my office. Your father tells me he's worried about your purity. The doctor clucked his tongue. Such a shame to lose a girl like you. You've been such a leader in the community, setting such a good example for other young women, like your sister. Sadie looked down at her hands, ashamed. Dr. Palmer sighed, sitting down on a small stool. Well, let's have a look, shall we? Go ahead, lie back. Sadie hesitated. Then she did as he said. Your father also told me he was concerned about a growth on your upper thigh. Sadie felt the doctor's gloved hand on her leg as she stared at the popcorn ceiling. Then she felt the doctor freeze. Dear God. Sadie sat up on her elbows to see Dr. Palmer staring at the mark his eyes wide. He stood to rummage through a tray of tools, then returned. In one hand gleamed a scalpel, and in the other was a tool Sadie didn't recognize. What is that? She asked. Just lie down, the doctor demanded. Sadie felt cold metal on her skin, then Dr. Palmer murmured in astonishment. It doesn't bleed. How is that possible? He looked at Sadie, his face pale. I don't know what this is, young lady, 
but it's not natural. It's coming off. Sadie felt something tighten in her chest. It was then she realized it was fear. She was terrified to lose her mark. The words flew from her mouth. No, I don't want it off. It's part of me. The doctor ignored her. Relax, or this will hurt. Then he switched on the other tool. A high-pitched whine filled the air as the metal end transformed into a tiny electric flame. Dr. Palmer lowered it toward the mark. He was going to burn it off. Sadie filled with wild panic. This was wrong. She didn't want this. She screamed. I said no! Dr. Palmer flew back on his stool, crashing against the wall. The tool's electric spark exploded into blue flame in his hands. Dr. Palmer screamed as his flesh burned and smoked. Sadie sprinted out of the exam room and into the hall, still in her gown. As she ran, she could still hear Dr. Palmer wailing in agony. Nurses yelled after her, but she didn't stop. She burst out the lobby door and onto the street, barefoot. Sadie froze as a frightening realization crashed over her. She had nowhere to go. As if summoned, a gleaming black SUV pulled up in front of her. The tinted window rolled down and Sadie heard a woman's voice call from the dark interior. Get in, quickly. Sadie hesitated, then realizing she had no other option, she threw open the door and slipped inside. The car immediately started driving. Sadie looked around, bewildered, and set her eyes on her savior. Sitting across from her was the most striking woman Sadie had ever seen. She was incredibly tall and thin, wore a stylish white suit, and had long, straight, silver-blonde hair. Sitting quietly beside her was the black dog. Sadie's mouth fell open. The woman smiled, revealing impossibly white teeth. I believe you've met Marius already. She stroked the dog's head lovingly. But I have yet to have the pleasure. My name is Marina, and I am so pleased to finally meet you, Sadie. A shiver ran down Sadie's spine. How do you know my name? Marina leaned forward. Because I know the name of every promising young witch, and most especially yours. Sadie's mind raced. Witch? What did she mean, witch? Marina answered as if Sadie had spoken aloud. Yes, a witch. And a talented one at that. That mark you have is proof. It's a witch's mark. It means you've been chosen. Sadie stared at her leg in disbelief. Marina continued. Your power is impressive, Sadie, but it's uncontained. You spent far too long hiding who you are. When we bury ourselves, our powers become harder to control, and yours, my dear, are fighting their way out. But I can help you. We can help you. Sadie looked at her, curious. There are more of you? 
Marina smiled. More of us. A whole coven of witches, your sisters. And they're waiting for you in New York. Marina handed her an ivory piece of paper, an invitation. On the front, in shimmering green ink, were the letters CVN. Below that was an address in upstate New York. Sadie took the card, blinking back tears. I thought I was going to hell. Marina chuckled softly. (laughs) No, my dear, you've escaped hell. Now you enter paradise. That is, if you choose to accept. Sadie bit her lip. I need time to think. I need to make sure my sister is okay. Marina nodded. You're a woman of principles, aren't you? I can't say I'm surprised. (sighs) Well, we very well can't have you walking around in a hospital gown, now can we? Hardly becoming of a young witch. Moments later, Sadie strode through her front door in a red linen dress, courtesy of Marina. Cecilia ran down the stairs, wrapping her arms around her. Sadie, we heard about Dr. Palmer. Everyone's looking for you. Sadie squeezed her sister tight, but before she could answer, her father walked into the room. You're not allowed in this house. No evil is welcome here. Sadie stepped toward him, her voice calm. Papa, I've come to say goodbye. Josiah leapt back, wielding a small bronze cross in his hand. Don't come any closer. You've been marked by the devil. Cecilia looked at her, eyes wide. Sadie took a deep breath. Even if I am, nothing is more wicked than the way you've hurt us. You've made us live in fear and in shame. But now... I'm leaving, and things are going to change around here, for Cecilia's sake. Josiah hissed. I don't take orders from harlots. Sadie felt anger rise in her chest. Her mark throbbed. Then you'll take them from a witch. Suddenly, Josiah screamed out in pain, dropping the bronze cross. It sizzled on the carpet. Josiah stared at his hand in horror. Seared into the flesh of his palm was the outline of a cross. He looked at Sadie, terrified. Her eyes narrowed. That's your mark now. Every time you look at it, I want you to remember what I'm capable of. And I swear, if you ever hurt Cecilia again, you will know the true meaning of hell. Sadie looked to her younger sister. Cecilia stood in the doorway, tears filling her eyes. Sadie approached her and stroked her cheek. Oh, see, don't cry. Cecilia looked at her, eyes pleading. Let me come with you, please. Sadie's heart sank. You can't. Not yet, but I promise I'm coming back. 
That night, Sadie boarded a Greyhound bound for New York. She took her seat at the back of the bus and looked out the window, taking in the last views of home. She felt a swirl of emotions, grief, anger, but also excitement. Her mark tingled. Sadie touched it gently and smiled. But as she stared out the window into the autumn night, she swore she saw a familiar black SUV pull away from the station. Inside the Escalade, Marina watched Sadie's bus fade into the distance. She stroked Marius's head. Well, my friend, one down, only two to go. Marius opened his mouth, exposing sharp white canines, almost as if he were grinning. Marina smiled. With all that running around, you must be starving. Marina pulled down the neck of her blouse, exposing her shoulder. There, on her flesh, was a purple-green witch's mark. Marius licked his jaws hungrily. The dog then nuzzled into her shoulder and began to feed. In the era of the witch trials, no woman was safe from the suspicions of her neighbors. But those who were deemed a threat to Puritan society's repressive, chaste morals were especially damned. Unmarried women were among them, as were teenage girls. Just like Eve was tempted to bite the sinful apple, it was believed that women free from the watchful eye of men were easily tempted by the devil. As it reads in the Malleus Maleficarum, when a woman thinks alone, she thinks evil. In truth, Puritanical society was terrified of female sexuality and of the kind of power it could yield if left unchecked. But luckily for them, they had the perfect tool to quash that power, the witch's mark. A witch's mark was a foolproof accusation. Given rampant disease and the less than ideal hygienic situation at the time, most women were bound to have some strange or unsightly abnormality on their body if anyone looked hard enough. And they did. The accused would be stripped naked and at times even shaved. Then they were subjected to a thorough search in front of a jury for the offending mark. It was an invasive and humiliating process a way to literally strip a woman of her pride. But that wasn't all. So-called witch-prickers were often called to the trial to further test the claim. And if a suspected witch's mark did not bleed or cause pain when pricked and prodded, it was said the accused was truly a witch. But more damning than a witch's mark is what the witch does with it. Because according to some, it wasn't just a mark, it was also the witch's teat. That's right, it was an extra nipple from which other beings could feed. But to find out exactly what these creatures are, you have to come back next week 
to meet a particularly precious part of witch lore, the familiar. Thanks again for listening to Superstitions. We will be back on Wednesday with a new episode. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the entire Season of the Witch special with new episodes released every week this month. For more, follow Haunted Places and Tales on Spotify. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Until next time... Be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Superstitions was written by Alex Garland, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher and Greg Castro, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brian Petrus. I'm Alastair Murden. The only way to get to heaven was to allow him sexual activity with me. These are not the people that you would normally associate with a cult. Do you think I need to be worried for my safety? I definitely think you should be prudent. This is Revelations, a Spotify original from Parcast, premiering Sunday, October 3rd.